Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is episode number 1116 with New York Times bestselling author and one of the top psychologists in the world, Scott Barry Kaufman. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Psychologist Abram Maslow said, if you deliberately plan on being less than you are capable of, then I warn you that you'll be unhappy for the rest of your life. And Winston Churchill said, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. My guest today is humanistic psychologist Scott Barry Kaufman, and he received a PhD in cognitive science from Yale University and has taught at Columbia, NYU, and the University of Pennsylvania. And he hosts the Psychology Podcast and is the author of nine books, including his latest book, Transcend, the New Science of Self-Actualization. And in 2015, he was named one of 50 groundbreaking scientists who are changing the way we see the world by Business Insider. And in this episode, we discuss Scott's revision of the hierarchy of needs and what it means to be fully human, the best psychological practices to help you improve your life today, how to discover your purpose and define your core belief system, why self-doubt destroys our ability to achieve greatness, and so much more. This is an extremely powerful and insightful episode. Make sure to share this with someone that you think would be benefited from it, someone that would be inspired by it, someone that could help improve the quality of their life as well. Just text them the link on the show notes or lewishouse.com slash one 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 six or you can just copy and paste wherever you're at on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as well, make sure to subscribe to the School of Greatness over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't yet, so you can stay up to date from the latest and greatest from the School of Greatness podcast. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Scott Barry Kaufman. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest. We've got my man, Scott Barry Kaufman, in the house, man. Yeah. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, too. Good to see you, Very too. excited about this. We've had a, a crazy year, and the, the new science of self-actualization, what you're talking about in your new book, Transcend, is stuff that I'm fascinated with mm. because we're all looking to improve the quality of our life. We're looking to have more love, more connection, more purpose. Uh, we're looking to have more fulfillment, happiness, self-esteem, all these things. And you have broken down and reimagined Maslow's hierarchy of needs, essentially, yeah. and created a new process, a new framework for living a great life. Yes. And what we need in order to go through the, the waves of life in order to yes. transcend to be the best version of ourselves. I like the way you put this. Right? <laughs> so I'd love, to I'd love to break it down and first hear if you can share what is Maslow's hierarchy of needs that don't understand it fully. What does that process uh, and framework look like? And then what is your uh, Kaufman sail belt in order for us to learn what that is too? 
So a lot of people might not have heard of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but surely they've seen the meme on the internet mm -hmm. with um, uh, maybe toilet paper at the bottom of, yes. of like a, of a, it's a pyramid, uh -huh. you know, uh, with the various levels of needs um, that one needs to fulfill in order to uh, be able to focus your attention on self-actualization, which is becoming all that you're uniquely capable of becoming. So the needs for connection, the needs for self-esteem, um, the need for safety, mm -hmm. and all these things that um, that that clearly, if you're if you're preoccupied, if your mind's preoccupied, you're hungry, right? Like you're not focused on self-actualization, you know? So it's contextual as well throughout right. the course of our day. You know, if you feel very lonely, um, your uh, your mind is preoccupied with uh, with dep the deprivation of your loneliness, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't feel like you're getting any, res any respect, you know, your whole consciousness is directed towards respect to me and you're kind of in part onto the world, you know, you, you, uh, you, want, you want the world to kind of bend to your will in a, in a way. Where is respect on that, on that? In, in Maslow's original, yeah. it was the highest up before self-actualization. Respect, yeah. esteem, so, esteem, gotcha. esteem, esteem. He called it's it respect. esteem. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we want, we need. To, if we can't eat, the only thing we're thinking about is food. Yes. If we're sick, the only thing we're thinking about is getting healthy. If we have yeah. nowhere to sleep, the only thing we're thinking about is shelter. Yeah. And then once we have that foundation, it's the next level of loneliness. Need. Then loneliness, social connection, and then esteem. Yeah. Then esteem, yeah. which is respect credibility, I guess, or being respected within your community. Respecting yourself and then mm. getting respect from others. Yeah, so he, he had both of those forms of esteem he talked about. Okay, and the next one is... Well, the, so, the, so the connection comes before uh, belonging and connection, the need to belong, the need mm. to uh, you know, uh, make connections with others, and then esteem was higher in his, in his original model. And then the top is... Then, boop, so, then you self-actualize. Yeah. And, and what uh, does self-actualization mean? You know, Maslow, here's, here's some like cheeky, not cheeky things, but things that like uh, reveals, grand reveals. First of all, Maslow never drew a pyramid. Oh. You know, people don't know that. It's in all the textbooks and that's like management text, all these management business schools, they learn it. It's, there's no, there's no pyramid. Um, also, he didn't, I, he didn't like the term self-actualization. Hmm. I found in an unpublished essay, because I, I read all of his unpublished stuff, like just researching, I found in a footnote, he said, I hate that damn word self-actualization. Really? <laughs> I should I should send you send you a wow. copy, you know take a picture because it's like when I discovered that I almost fell off my chair you know he actually he never said the words he did he definitely used the term self actualization but towards the end of his life he started to think of it more he he preferred the term fully human ooh I like that yeah yeah and uh, and that's how he started talking about it uh, later in his life he um, he just was didn't use the term as much. What does fully human mean in yeah, your mind? Sure, I'll tell you, sir, like in his earliest years, what he meant by self-actualization first, uh, um, he thought of self-actualization as becoming um, your unique creative potential. You know, like mm -hmm. what is the thing within you, that what's the song within you, right, sort of thing. Um, that's definitely how he viewed it in, in his early life. But becoming fully human, as he started to think about this concept more broadly, was how can you kind of bring your whole self to the table? You know, not just um, like your talent, you know. Um, you can become self-actualized and not be very transcendent, not be very, um, you know, not give back to others, not kind of get outside yourself. Um, and towards the end of his life, he started to distinguish between self-actualizing non-transcenders okay. and self-actualizing transcenders, two different classes of self-actualizers. You know, the self-actualizing non-transcenders, the person who goes to work, you know, like um, they, they clock in, they do their job. Uh, maybe their job isn't uh, something that necessarily contributes much to society, but mm. you know, they're, they're, they're good and they go home. It's not know. fulfilling to them personally. It might, be, it might even be a little bit fulfilling, but it's okay. not something that's really getting outside of themselves. 
you know, and uh, doesn't uh, um, have be in line with the, with what Maslow called the B values. The B values. The B values. The values of being itself. So these are values that um, you don't need to do them for any other reason. Um, uh, truth, justice, beauty, meaningfulness. He has a long list of the B values. Mm. We call the B values perfection, um, excellence. Excellence yeah. is one of his B values. Wow. You know, you strive for excellence for excellence' sake. Mm. You strive for beauty for beauty's sake. You strive for truth for truth's sake. Not to get likes, not to not get for followers, else. not for accomplishments, yeah, exactly but right. just to be. To be in that state. To be. You know, you want more meaning in your life, not so that you get famous. Right. <laughs> you want meaning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So self-actualization and then self-actualization plus transcendence. Transcendence. Yeah. And what's transcendence mean? Well, you know, it's. I wish I had a really pithy. Def- well, actually, I do have a pithy. De- I have a definition, <laughs> but it ain't, it ain't pithy. <laughs> I, have a, I have a complicated definition, because I just want to distinguish between, as I do in my book, between healthy transcendence and unhealthy transcendence. Okay, what are those? So um, you see a lot of these gurus who um, preach transcendence and then they kind of molest everyone, you know, right. in their parish or whatever, right. you know, and it's like, you're like, oh, you're really, you're really transcending, <laughs> like really, you know, <laughs> you know, there, it's built on a very faulty foundation as Maslow put it, you know, he, he called it, he called it pseudo growth, mm. um, growth built on a faulty foundation. And I call it pseudo transcendence. Yeah, interesting. It's transcendence built on really you're trying to get your esteem needs, self esteem needs met. You know, mm. you're really trying to get you know you're lonely, so you you know you've built all this stuff to have connections with others. But healthy transcendence this is a viewpoint of I didn't even get to my sailboat model, so maybe we're we're going to we're, sure. we're skipping ahead. But yeah, it's the view of uh, the seabird. Yeah, a bird that's looking above. Yeah, your life. You know what I love about you? I love that we just like jumped transcendence. We're like like you know all other. <laughs> Let's get there. <laughs> like, let's just like go right to Well, this is what everyone wants, right? Everyone yeah. want well, you want yeah. safety, you want connection, you want to feel loved, you want to feel purpose, mission, but ultimately you want to feel like what's connected my, to the rest of humanity. Right? Yeah, well, what's yeah. the greatest potential for my life? What's the meaning of my life? Why am I here? How can I serve my purpose yeah. and do it fully? That's right. And so what it, what is healthy? Healthy transcendence is an emergent <clears throat> phenomenon, and I'll explain every part of this. Healthy transcendence is an emergent phenomenon resulting from the harmonious integration of one's whole self in the service of cultivating the good society. Mm. Uh, I can break that down. Yeah. Uh, you know, so for me, that's kind of like my uh, definition of greatness. I always tell people that. Isn't that interesting? The way that I I view greatness is, um, it's discovering your unique talents and gifts that are inside of you, and pursuing your dreams. In, using those gifts and making yeah. an impact on the most people you can yeah. in the pursuit of those dreams. Um, so it's figuring out who you are to pursue the things Yours that you Yours is pithier. <laughs> yeah. And then helping as many people as you can along the way. Maybe helping as many people as 10 people. It's Maybe it's 100 people. Maybe it's your whole community. It's your city or your country. Maybe it is, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just your family and that's fine too. But helping yeah. as many people along the way that you're, you're capable of helping. And yeah, I love that. And uh, the key uh, uh, thing I try to point out there is also that you, it's important to be have integration there of mm-hmm. all the various sides of yourself, because um, you know. And I feel like you. I don't know. Can we get personal about you for Go a ahead. second? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I feel like you've really. Um, uh, your whole growth process has really been a process of integration. Mm. You know, you had certain sides of yourself you weren't proud of at yeah, certain points in your absolutely. life, and you didn't let, and you brought it into the rest of you. Mm-hmm. You didn't like, you, you you started to have acceptance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 well, and it was very shameful for most of my childhood. I mean, most of my adulthood, I was shameful uh, of things that had happened or things that I had done, yeah. happened to me or things that I created in the yeah. world. And 
I, I hid those shames. Yeah. I didn't talk about them, which made me suffer. So when I started to talk about them and forgive myself and forgive others and heal, yeah. then it allowed me to go beyond that state of being that I was in. I was able to create and accomplish a lot, but I still wasn't feeling connected. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling like things mattered as much. I was still right. suffering. And so yeah. I was wondering, why am I... You felt a disconnection between yeah. self and world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, why am I feeling this? Let me just do more and work harder and yeah. you know, win more. But it yeah. wasn't supporting my overall growth. Yeah, and see now you're very comfortable in your own body. It's yeah. obvious to me, you know, yeah. like you're you're very at ease. It is with your being. Absolutely, is a phrase I like to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So transcendence, healthy transcendence, is essentially the definition of greatness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're all trying to get there. Essentially, is that what I'm hearing you say? Or we should all be striving to get there, but it's going to take safety, connection, self-esteem first before we can really get to those levels? So in, uh, I'll, I'll explain my new revised uh, yes, Kaufman please. sailboat uh, <clears throat> model. Um, so my revised hierarchy of needs, there's no longer um, a, uh, a higher, like a pyramid, you know, because Maslow never even drew a pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, we're a whole vehicle that needs to be integrated. That's why a sailboat works. You know, yes. all the parts have to work together optimally in order for that sailboat to really uh, move in its most purposeful direction, you know. I'll put up a a graphic or something oh, nice. here as well for people so they can see wow. it. Wow, they can yeah. zoom in or something? We can do that, yeah. You've got, you've got mad we got technology here. here, you know. So how is yours different than yeah. his? What, what is... Well, it keeps the spirit of what Maslow... See, remember, there was no Maslow's uh, pyramid. He never right. drew a pyramid. Mm-hmm. It, if you actually... Um, people betrayed the spirit of his original theory. So I'm trying to, like, bring in the original spirit with my own flavor, you know? Sure. So in his original theory, he distinguished between the being realm of human existence and the D, uh, the, the deficiency realm. Mm-hmm. D versus B realm of human existence. Um, when we're in the deficiency realm or we're deficiently motivated, so another way of saying is deficiency motivation versus growth motivation. Mm-hmm. When we're in the de- realm of deficiency motivation, we're motivated by um, what we are lacking. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, we try to, um, we, we basically are screaming for the things we're lacking in the world. Like if we're hungry, feed me, you know, if we're lonely, like be my friend, right. you know, which paradoxically makes people not want to be friends with you right. because you come across as needy. And that's really an interesting paradox. But um, if you're really um, uh, need, uh, like low in respect, you demand, res- you demand respect. Mm. You, you need know? to respect me. Yeah, demand it. You demand it. Wow. But the growth realm of human existence is a whole different realm. Um, if you can get to the growth realm of being being, um, you uh, no longer want the world to conform to you. You actually start admiring the world on its own terms. You wow. know, you start to um, admire people on their own terms, and that's the called be love, love for the being of others. That's what Maslow called it. Um, in the so in the D realm, you have um, the need for connection, but in the B realm, you have be love, which is just love for the being of others, not for what they offer to you. You know, like maybe someone wouldn't, doesn't even offer you connection, mm-hmm. but you can still admire them. You can still love them. You know, you can still be curious about them, right? right, right. So the be, be love is a whole different realm. So, so what I did with the sailboat is the boat itself is the D, is the D realm, right? You need, if you have too many holes in the boat, you know, the boat's going to sink, right? The yes. water's going to come in and sink. If you're too deficient in the needs for safety, the need for connection, the need for self-esteem, and they all work together as a system is another mm. point I want to make. They all, it's a feedback loop. I call it the insecurity cycle. Um, people who um, are deficient in any one of those three tend to start quickly becoming deficient in the other two, right? Um, uh, so if, 
Yeah. Safety is deficient, then your self-esteem and your connection you feel is lonely. low. Yeah, you, if your connection is low, then you don't have self-esteem don't or feel, confidence exa- you don't and feel you safe. don't feel safe. That's exactly right. That's and exactly. if you have low self-esteem, then you feel disconnected and lack of safety as well. That's right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you feel like nobody respects me, nobody cares about me, you know. Um, so it's a cycle. Um, so that's the boat. Um, but if the boat is safe and secure, you're, you're still not going to go anywhere unless you open up the sail. Right, mm-hmm. so it, it's not enough to just be safe and secure. Yeah. Some people are acting these days like the ultimate is just to be uh, the lack of what they have. You know, not no longer lack what they have, and mm-hmm. then they're going to be happy. It's like no, no, no. There needs to be something above zero, right? You can't just get from negative fifty to zero, right? You don't go to you go to a, psych, a psychologist and you're anxious. You have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, a lot of people are you just satisfied if you leave the psychologist no longer being anxious in the world? You know, there, there's still nothing added to that. Right. So you once you can open the sail and move with a vulnerability against the inevitable winds and uh, waves of the sea, um, you move in a purposeful direction with a spirit of exploration, um, be love, and purpose. Um, despite knowing that the waves could come crashing down on, on us mm. at any time. And even though we're all in our own boat, we're moving in the, sea, the same sea together. So that, that wave can come crashing on many boats at the same time. You know? So we need to be connected to the rest of humanity um, and also still have that bravery and, uh, and exploration drive to just go despite our fears. You right. know? I was nervous today. I was nervous this morning. This is the first time I've put on a suit in a year. <laughs> this is the farthest I've driven <laughs> in, in over a year. Five miles, yeah. <laughs> Six miles. You know, and it's like, I was a little nervous. But the thing is, you just, you have to move in life. You have to keep mm. moving, you know, and, uh, and that's, the, that's the sailboat metaphor is you have to open that sail ultimately or else you're not going to grow. You, know, right. you have to get outside your comfort zone. And when you open the sail, there's exploration, love, and purpose. Yeah, yeah. So he, another way of putting that is, whereas uh, security is um, the base of security is safety, the base of growth is exploration. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. safety and exploration, because yeah. you could have safety, connection, self-esteem, but if you don't have exploration, exploration, Ex- you don't. You're not. If you're not growing, yeah. then you feel stagnant. You feel. Yeah disconnected you probably yeah. feel less safe than also yeah. right yeah that's exactly like, right. something's missing i gotta shake something up in my life yeah and you know sometimes we might not even feel safe and still choose say Fuck it, i'm gonna choose exploration <laughs> you know right. like sometimes we don't want to wait till we're fully safe in order to explore and uh, why is that um why are some people like you know take two people some people have the fear and they don't grow and some people have the fear and they do is that kind of the question yeah well, that's a great question yeah yeah, yeah. i like that question. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to be close just yeah, zo- zoom in on the question <laughs> you know because it's like I, I wish i knew the precise answer some of it does come down to personality differences mm-hmm. um uh, maslow did write that like the self-actualizers he studied seemed to as opposed to being frightened by the unknown they get they were turned on by the excited unknown. excited he used the I, word excited i get it excited yeah i get excited because i don't i don't know if there's ever been like a bad moment when something didn't work out or i failed or like i was humiliated i don't i can't look back and say that ruined my life yeah like it might have been a moment of embarrassment and and might have affected me the earlier in my life when i didn't know how to use those emotions for good or i didn't know how to transcend the feeling of embarrassment or loneliness or rejection but as I look back at my life, and you talk about this in your book about the history of looking back, we should look back at the history of our life mm. like a historian. I think you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. And Maslow talked a lot. Yeah, about yeah. That. And as we look back like a historian, like okay, look at all these different moments and years and timelines and chapters and pages that we turned. And if I look back, I'm like every decision I made that had a risk that was scary, 
turned out for the better. Yeah. Like even if it turned out for the worse, it eventually it built some a foundation of like I can do this. Mm. I can go after what I want, and I'm still going to be alive. Yeah. And my family's still there for me. My friends, you know, it's going to be okay. And yeah. I think a lot of people uh, live in a state of deficiency realm or the state of fear that they don't want to go after what they could be or what they are they're interested in doing because that risk is too big mm-hmm. and they're too afraid of i guess feeling a lack of safety connection and self-esteem yeah. if i risk and i fail then i'm gonna lose my house no one's gonna be my friend and i'm gonna have zero confidence in myself yeah which makes it very then there's no foundation to the sailboat you got it you nailed it a lot of people who um fear um uh, their their self-esteem need is so important to them what's really going on with them is underneath it is they have a fear of shame one of my favorite parts about my job is that i get the opportunity to travel a lot and in fact i'm recording this right now while i'm in mexico and actually i was thinking about something that i wanted to share because i get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas so here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like i am or traveling a lot when you're staying in your airbnb on your trips have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through airbnb while your home is vacant if you're interested in an extra stream of income airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide at capella university you'll get support from people who care about your success from before you enroll to after you graduate pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In terms of what? Like if I fail, they're, they're, if they I'm, fail, they'll be shamed, you know, they'll be like revealed as not as smart as they thought they were or not as uh, great, uh, you know, as they thought they were. I mean, you've interviewed you've so many great, you know, great people. And do, do you find a common theme in terms of um, like... They, there are many moments in their life where they definitely weren't great. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. And they and they were okay with that. Uh-huh. Like it didn't put them in a in a downward spiral of depression, right. where they were no longer able to pick themselves up again, right? So how do we free frame life in a, in the in a way so we can actually take on risks, take on growth, take on challenges, and it not uh, hurt our self esteem when we do fail? Because we're all going to be failing in order mm-hmm. to grow. It's not going to be like, I'm going to win at everything and be perfect. And it's always going to be a New York Times bestseller. And everyone's got to praise every decision I make. That's right. So how do we build our self-esteem foundation so that no matter what happens in the results of our life, we're still confident and esteemed in who we are? 
I think the best way to look at self-esteem and the healthiest form of self-esteem is as, again, I'm going to use the phrase emergent phenomenon. I'm a really big fan of that phrase. You know, It's not something that you shoot for. The problem with people who um, show uh, mental health issues is that they have made self-esteem itself the goal as opposed to the outgrowth of a natural outgrowth of um, pride, healthy pride in something you, you built, some form of mastery, as well as your social relationships. Mm. Um, psychologists distinguish between hubristic pride and authentic pride. And I think the healthiest route to, uh, to self-esteem, the kind of self-esteem that will really um, lead to growth is authentic pride. What's the yeah. difference? Authentic yeah. pride versus... Hubistic pride is driven by um, the path of uh, the need for dominance, the need for power. Um, uh, the self-esteem becomes the goal in itself, you know? Um, authentic... Being confident, yeah. demand, commanding respect Command. is the goal. It's the goal, yeah. It's uh, having the um, accolades um, as, as much as possible so that it reflects on your ego. Um, why, why do people live in that state? What do you call that? The hubristic, hubristic pride. Hubristic pride. hubristic pride. Why do people? And what happens when we come from that place? If that is our goal, you know, both both uh, evolutionary psychologists have studied this because both evolve. I mean, there's a reason why it exists in the human gene pool. You know, both paths um, evolved over the course of human history for different purposes, but they, they, they both served its function. You know, dominance. Um, you know, being able to uh, be the you know the the top person in your clan, you know, mm -hmm. um, on the savanna, certainly had its meeting benefits, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. But, you know, um, <laughs> sure. but that wasn't the only pathway to meeting. See, the thing is, there was also people in the tribe who, um, who um, were the uh, experts, you know, the professors, right, right, the, who were getting laid, you know, just right. as much, you know, and um, and but the wise man, yeah, 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 the wise, yeah, exactly, and both pathways evolved, and still exist in our gene pool, um, and I also there also are some genetic factors here. Some people are actually more predisposed to one path or the other, you mm -hmm. know. Some people, um, you know, but it doesn't mean we can't change or we can't grow in our life, right, and right. Uh, we can't kind of shift our our pathway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the authentic pride. So what happens when we live from that state of hubristic, hubristic? Yeah. Right? Hubristic yeah. pride. Will we ever feel fulfilled? Even if we get command the respect and get all the accolades and accomplishments and money and houses, if that is the goal, yeah. will we be fulfilled and happy inside? No, it's, it really is like a, a hedonic treadmill. Yeah, yeah. You keep running on this treadmill, but it never—you never get to the end of the treadmill. Have psychologists studied people that have lived in that state of being who have actually are happy? Um, yeah, I'm sure they exist. <laughs> I mean, I don't—I'm not the kind of person who will say that there's, you know, never, never, you know, you or that one must live their life. In fact, I want to be clear about something in my book. Is I'm very clear that self-actualization and the path of self-actualization is one where you find the path that works best for you mm -hmm. and your own unique constellation yeah. of traits, characteristics, life experiences. Only you can choose what path works for you, and for you sure. should own it. Yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of people who have made their life work for them, who know that who they at various points in their life. You know, and these things change. The the, the thought of for some reason, uh, the, Tucker Max is coming to my mind. There was a point in his life where he, he changed. He did, but I also, he, there was a point in his life where he owned being an asshole. Yes. And this, this is what I think is interesting is that, I don't know why that example, I think that it's relevant actually, mm -hmm. that why that example, because I, I feel like I knew him before and then mm -hmm. after as well, yeah. And, and then, you know, he put on his website at one point, he's like, I am, Tucker Maxson, I am an asshole. And I don't know if he was fulfilled in that 
moment of his life. But mm. he found something that met his own unique constellation of traits. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because I'm not I'm not a judge. I'm like the least judgmental person. You'll you know you, you know maybe not the absolute least because you've met a lot of cool people. But I'm very non-judgmental. So I. Um, for instance, I do personal coaching now, right? And I have like yeah. 17 clients. And for every single one of them, I just like, I have B-love, you know? I sit, it's not my job to like condemn someone. You know, it's my job to, job to sit back and listen to them and see what is at this moment in their life, what, what kind of life works for them, mm -hmm. you know? And maybe at this moment in life, for some people, um, they have such a, this <laughs> excess of anger and excess of, that they need to get out in, in, a, in a, and so I want to kind of help them cultivated in a, in, in a productive direction mm -hmm. but you know I'm not here to say what works and what doesn't work if right, that makes sense right, of course yeah. but the authentic pride is more in a state of being as I'm doing this for the art of it I'm doing yeah. this for the for the process of gaining excellence in the process yeah and being prideful in what I accomplish for myself not what others recognize as something great yeah it's the more sustainable path I'll say that it's more sustainable over overall. If you're thinking about this over the long haul, mm -hmm. you're not about flash and burn, right? Um, uh, for some people, maybe they just want to flash and burn, you know. But um, uh, if you're thinking about a, a life well lived, you know, I teach the course, the science of living well. It really is um, about this kind of authentic mastery of mm -hmm. um, yourself, the world, and other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So, how do we rid ourselves of insecurity? Um, I wish there was a magic wand. <laughs> and Is also, it possible to? I mean, yeah. are we always going to be insecure at different, if we're seeking growth, will yeah. there be insecurity in our life? Um, as I write about in the book, um, I think it's unrealistic to say that anyone gets it to zero because we're such a social species. Mm -hmm. um, and if you were to get to zero, you probably would um, dip into the realm of psychopaths. Really? And they're a unique breed of humans that don't seem to give a fuck about yeah. anyone, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that we should get to that point. So I think the fact that we do have a little, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, is, that we don't get to zero is actually means that we're human, mm -hmm. you know? That is there a way to be compassionate, caring, and completely secure, like not insecure? Yeah. Please, you know, self-confident. I do. And, and being aware that, hey, if I fail, it's going to be okay, and it's... I still love myself. Is yeah. that possible? I do think so. I think you, you can still keep caring about what people think of you to a certain degree because it'll help you be better, mm -hmm. but without personalizing it so much and without it uh, stopping your, right. you dead in your tracks. You know, yeah. I, I do think we can get to that state. Absolutely, yeah. And you also talk about in the book that I saw around uh, self-esteem versus narcissism. Like I love that distinction. Confidence versus narcissism. You read my book. And I went through it. I don't. Have, oh yeah, uh, it's hard for me to finish any book, but I went through it. I'm impressed. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of that distinction. Yeah, yeah. So what? How do we know when someone is a narcissist versus someone who's just extremely self-confident? Yeah. No. And, and how do we make sure we don't cross over from confidence to narcissism? I got into a Twitter fight with Scott Adams. Did you see that? I didn't see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, he's like he he's like psychologist study, who studies narcissism. Uh, are, are stupid basically like, they don't know what they're talking about like like narcissism is a great thing you know like um, it's just it's just what they're doing is people who are just confident and we're just calling them narcissists mm. 
Now, I beg to differ with that because <laughs> I actually think there's a, just a really important dif difference between confidence and narcissism that, need, that needs to be recognized. Um, people who score really, really high narcissistic traits, and by the way, I think we all are somewhere on the spectrum, so I don't, I'm actually not a fan of saying there are narcissists and then there are not narcissists. You know, people who score high in narcissistic characteristics mm -hmm. is like how I like to phrase Which it. Which is, what, what are those characteristics? Um, well, the core of it that distinguishes it from just run-of-the-mill confidence is entitlement. That's that is the that nail. Is that's like you're throwing darts. Where's narcissism? Where's narcissism? <laughs> Center. Oh, entitlement. Anyone that thinks they're entitled to anything, to everything, everything. They think they're entitled to everything in the world, even things they haven't earned. Things because they think they were born special. Ooh, that's that's the, that's that's the, thing. the heart of a narcissist. Yeah, that's the heart of the narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's the heart of a narcissist. Yes, wow. yes, beautifully put. Um, people with confidence, you know, can think they're enough without thinking they're the best or superior. Mm. You know, um, and even people who are um, great, you know, who um, do great things in their life, can still be great without thinking they're um, the greatest human being, mm, you know? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You can, you can own that you're uh -huh. great at uh, what you do and that you've, you've put in the work, you've mastered it, you know? But that, you know, you're not entitled to special privileges um, more than anyone else who's suffering in this world, because we're all suffering in this world, you know, with the Buddha. Yeah, life as he noted, suffering. Suffering, you know, yeah. right, right. Um, you know, like you're not, uh, in, you know, entitled to everything. Like if you're in line at an airport, you know, the nar the person who scores high narcissist will be like, like, I demand to be yeah. the first one in line. And what's well, like, well, why? You know, why exactly? <laughs> Is that sure. the, you know? But you absolutely um, have a cultivated sense of confidence, and uh, and um, uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, the most the most authentically confident people tend to be the least narcissistic. Which is an interesting mm, paradox. The I've least noticed. entitled. Yeah, I find that really interesting. There's an ease of being about them. I'm going to mm -hmm. go back to that phrase. Yeah. So, how do we get to a place of uh, that confidence level? What's the keys to confidence? Um, so, the two major forms of confidence uh, are self or mastery and self worth. <clears throat> um, self worth is I'm enough. I um, there's nothing else I have to achieve in order to be any more worthy as a human being. How does someone believe that when yeah. everything is against them? When they're broke, they just got dumped, they just got fired, they you know they're 100 pounds overweight, they're sick. What, what, how does someone believe I'm enough with all the breakdowns they might be going through, or even question. one breakdown? This person left me. I'm worthless. How do we change that? You know, um, it's such a good question, and I would say that no matter your circumstances, no matter how dire things are, you, if you just go out if, and you just smile at a stranger on the street and mm -hmm. make their day, they see you as worthy. Mm -hmm. See, the, the, you improved their life in a moment, which means you're worthy. You, and you just proved to yourself that you're a worthy human mm -hmm. being. See, that, this is the thing. It's like there are thing, little things you can do to just remind yourself. Because I think the fact is that we're, we're worthy without doing anything else, mm -hmm. you know? But we, I, the problem, as you describe, is that we forget it because we have so many things telling us that we're not. Or we isolate ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. of course. We isolate yeah. ourselves and we stay in this story and this script that yeah. keeps us small, stuck, worthless feeling, yeah. even yeah. though it's not, the, it's not truth. 
go volunteer for a soup kitchen, That's you it. know, for one day, and you, and then you'll be reminded mm-hmm. of the humanity of others. You'll be reminded, oh, I'm a human too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now there are things I need to work on um, so that I can just have a sustainable life and maybe even be great at something. It's wonderful mm-hmm. to aspire to greatness, right? But you're not aspiring to be superior as a, you know, well, you, get the, you know, the puffed up, you know, kind of yeah, narcissist. Someone else. Yeah, yeah. So confidence equals mastery plus self worth. Self worth. Yeah. And, and what are some other ways that we could build self worth besides just remembering that we are worthy? Even if we remember, but we look at our body in the mirror and we say, but I'm not proud of the person I see in the mirror. I'm not proud of the actions I've had in the past. I'm not proud of losing my job or my partner leaving me. How can I? build self-worth besides just smiling at people right right well i would frame the question a little differently if i may Mm -hmm. because i think that like the self-worth should be taken as the assumption of the starting point not the thing that you're trying to build and the reason why i say it that way is because what if you flipped it around and you looked at your fats no not you but the person looks at themselves in the mirror and they're like i'm a Mm -hmm. COVID has made me a complete slob yeah then I would argue the, the best framing of it is, well, I'm worthy, so therefore I'm going to lose the weight. Mm. The, the unworthiness start is what motivates you <clears throat> to get to work. Not the as destination. As opposed to, I need to get to work so that I can be worthy. Ooh, wow. So self-worth is the starting point, yeah. not the goal. I'm worth it. I'm mm. worth it to take care of my body once and for all. How do mm. we realize that? I mean, can you just like just start telling yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we can believe things, you know, that we over time if we if we if we tell ourselves enough. Now I'm starting to sound a little bit like Stuart Smalley from the um, uh, Saturday Night Live skits in the '80s. I don't know sure. if you remember those. Like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And by God, it, I'm worth it. You know, like, uh, I know it's, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing myself talk right now. Like, <laughs> I sound like Stuart Smalley. But you know, in a, in a, in a way, there's a truth to it. You know, yeah. the affirmations are not the worst things in the world. So now you're a psychologist, yeah. and I'm hearing you talk a lot about a drink go for it i'm hearing you talk a lot about um not being needy uh yeah. in society because then i'll actually repel people Maslow from- distinguished between needing love and unneeding love what yeah. is the difference yeah. well or you can even say needy love and unneeding love needy love is like um where you're demanding love me you know because i love you you must love me you know, where unneeding love is, you don't ask for any anything in return from another person. You actually just admire them like you're watching a sunset. Uh, Carl Rogers, the humanistic psychologist, said, when you watch a sunset, you don't say, oh, I, it's a beautiful sunset, but I wish the bottom corner was just up a little bit this way <laughs> and that the hue of the redness was a little bit lighter. You know, you admire the fucking sunset. You yeah. know, why don't we admire humans like we admire sunsets? Yeah. Why do we want demand love in return in certain ways? Or why do we need that from it's people. conditional other people's love is conditional on the extent to which they return your love you know but it, it, but that it shouldn't be that way yeah yeah but you but i'm sorry i feel like I interrupted you because you were getting at the paradox of uh, being needy and, no yeah i think uh i love you're a psychologist at columbia you you write these deep research books on all these topics on human behavior and psychology and there's another world that you're starting to sound like to me, which is this law of attraction world. Oh no! <laughs> which is, you know, don't be needy because then you'll repel people. Is that one of the principles in the law of attraction? It's like, you know, be a magnet for attracting what you want in your life. And in order to be a magnet to attract 
you know, great business relationships or the career opportunity or the right uh, intimate partnerships. You can't be chasing them. You can't yeah. be like, I need you. Please pick me. Please. Will you be my boyfriend? Will you be my right. girlfriend? Please, will you hire me? Like, you can't be in this begging, needing state. Yeah. You need to, like, be unattached. You have to let it go. You got to let it go. That's, that's true. You got to be unattached. And you got to build your your own confidence, your own self-worth in order to be a magnet to attract those things to you. So and you have to start looking at yourself in a more positive light and things like that. So you're sounding so in, 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 similar to what I hear in the, the Law of Attraction woo-woo world, if you will. Oh, shit. Well, I, I've made the case there can be wisdom in the woo-woo. I, I've, I've made that case. Um, well, I, is there science in the woo-woo as well? Yes. So that's where I said, where I say it can. That's, that's what transcend is. I'm trying to do the science of woo-woo. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what transcend is all about. Um, by the way, it, to, to your point, there was this cat who I emailed like almost every week when my podcast first started. I was like, we be on podcast, we be on podcast. <laughs> and he was like, get away from me. He ignored me, you know, like, um, then I would like talk to his people and they'd be like, you know, like, uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, no, he's really You're busy. You're too needy, yeah. yeah. No, they didn't say that explicitly, you know. But I, they, I'm just like two, three years. And then I was just like, you know, it, I'm just not going to even just, uh, if, uh, maybe like two, three years went by. I get an email from this cat, you know, uh, he's like, all my friends keep like mentioning you in every conversation I'm having these days. Like, they're like, do you know Scott Barry Kaufman? <laughs> and he's like, can I be on your podcast? And I'm like, and of course, my immediate reaction was, was like, you're like, ah, inside. Go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw you, I asked you for years. Yeah, like, <laughs> Oh, so now you want to be on my yeah, show. Yeah, 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 now I'm big enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. I'm reaction, like, oh, I'm busy. Sorry, I didn't have my assistant respond. You know, like, but, yeah, you know but once funny. that ego, like, subsided, I, we ended up having a talk, and it was just a wonderful conversation. You know? I, I used to do this 15 years ago when I started salsa dancing. Really? I, I did the same strategy, in a sense, for just kind of like a cheeky ego, I guess, that I had back then where... I was very passionate about salsa dancing. I still am. I haven't done it as much because of the pandemic. But for 15 years, I've been salsa dancing around the world. I've traveled the world to the best salsa clubs. I've danced with some of the greatest you know, professional dancers at clubs, right? Wow. And it's been, a, it's been a joy of mine. It, it was a skill that I learned to master, which built self-worth and mm -hmm. confidence and all these different things in me because it was hard, because it wasn't mm -hmm. something I was good at. And when you get good at something that you are afraid of, man, your confidence level goes up to another level. At least yeah. it does for me. Yeah. Anyways, I stand out in a salsa club, if you can imagine. There's mostly, mostly Latin people that are mostly about a foot taller than me. I'm this tall white dude, right, that doesn't speak the language. They're that, taller than you? No, I'm, I'm oh, a you're foot taller than, taller than, than like pretty than much them. everyone yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. what I'm dancing with, essentially, right? Gotcha. Guys, girls, everything. And I would walk into a club... And I would observe and I would look for the best dancer on the dance mm. floor. The one that scared me. The one that intimidated me that she was so great that I was like, I don't know if I can dance with this girl. Mm. And I would look to see who she was. And then when there was a moment after a song would end and a new song would start, I would go up and ask them to dance because it scared me. Oh, it was wow. terrifying. I love Terrifying because it was a new city. It was a new place I'd never been to. I didn't know the people. They didn't know who I was. Mm. But I, look, I don't look the part mm. in a salsa club. I look like... I'm an outsider. Oh. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. And most of the time, these girls would reject me. They would say, no, I'm okay. Oh, yeah. I would go up there and kind of be like, hey, I'd, I'd love to dance with you. They would reject me. Then, later, then what I would do is made it my mission by the end of the night for them to come. <laughs> to show that you're good. Yes. Yeah. And I would go find other girls and dance right next to them yeah. for hours. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't go approach them until they came back yeah. to me. And most of the time they'd be like, hey, you want to dance? And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you really did that? <laughs> I did. So I did the same thing <laughs> well, as you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can really resonate with that. I can yeah, really it was resonate. like, no, you didn't want to dance with me before because you yeah. judged me. And now yeah. you see me and now you want to. But yeah. it was... You know, I stopped doing that after a while, but that's ego. It too, yeah, it doesn't. But but I really resonate with it. Like, I, and I feel like a lot of people can really resonate with that. You of know? course, yeah, yeah. So, what is this? Uh, where is the science of neediness in terms of like why does that repel people? The need to chase something, to have something that you don't have. Is it? Is there science behind it? Why that doesn't work? I have often thought that there needs to be a book on this topic. Mm. The, the paradox of neediness, you know, um, could be the title of the book or something. Yeah. Um, because um, people always asking, why do people, why do, why do young women, why are they like the bad boy? You know, mm-hmm. well, it's like it's not that they love asshole. It's not they're like, oh, I love people who are mean to others. You know, they um, there's um, a detached detachment there where you feel, and I think what might be going on to a certain degree, is what you do is you feel like you're the one who has agency in making the choice. When you feel, you feel coerced if the other person is needy, right? You want to, because humans want to feel like, you know, I want to hear what you think of this take. But for instance, if someone is completely not interested in you or whatever, and you approach them, you feel like, you know what? I'm the one that's in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. I made the choice. Mm-hmm. I want this person. You know, there's also the obviously supply and demand aspect of it as well. We all want what can't we can't have, have yeah, right? Yeah. That's the obvious sure. one. But I think there's a more subtle thing going on mm-hmm. where we, you know, like if someone, we want to feel like we made the choice, you know? Like even in the case where they saw you later on, like <clears throat> killing it on the dance floor, and then they then they approach you, they feel like, okay, now I'm the one that has, I, I, I'm in control of my life. Mm-hmm. I've made the decision. You right. know, as opposed to if they're coming at me and I say, okay, we kind of lax agency. Interesting. What do you think of that take? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I'm, us making a conscious decision of yeah. what we want to do, not someone like, not that I was like needy or begging, right. but when someone's like, please stay in a relationship with me, right. I can't live without you. It's like, ah, uh, it's like. Do I want to do that? No. Yeah. Do I want that responsibility and that <laughs> yeah. weight of like yeah. someone who can't live without me or someone yeah. that needs me right now for this yeah. business deal or needs this job? If someone is in that state, it's it's almost like you can sense they're lacking confidence. Yeah. If they need something, that means they're they're lacking something. They're not complete human being. They're That's not a whole part, yeah. healthy human being, and that energy is kind of repels people. I think. And we've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. I mean, I've been there. I've been needy in relationships totally. and all those things. You know, I wish I wish we had more compassion for needy people. Oh, but it's what? Yeah, it's so hard. It's, though. it's it's the paradox. You know, like I I wish. Like, in, in an ultimate world, we would be able to have a common humanity there. Like, even on, like, you know, like, I just, I remember the dance club is like in the 20s. You know, that's a, that's a traumatic experience. <laughs> 
good to me to approach, you know, yeah. when, and they, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it's like, what do you mean ill? Like, I'm a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my mother tells me I'm great. You should talk to my mother. But no, it's such, um, when you're young, the 20s, 21, 22, oh, that's like traumatic. Traumatic. Do you know when, what I mean? When a girl rejects you. It's traumatic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also, you can also see it from the women's perspective as well. It must be traumatic to them to have these guys, like, grinding up on yeah, that. Like, yeah. like, all around, it's, you know, for everyone. <laughs> and that, that, I don't feel like dance clubs are, are a really wonderful situation. So how do we yeah. learn to detach yeah. the outcome of what another person says about us, to us? Uh, how, how does someone learn detachment? Because it sounds like detachment is the key to helping you attract certain things, maybe not always, all the time. You want to have a goal. You talked about you want to have an aim, you want to have a goal, you want to yeah. put your sail up and be in a direction towards something, but not being attached Buddha. to the result. Buddhist How do non-attachment. We... Buddhist not And here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, um, here's an interesting psychology finding. People, you know, have you heard of attachment theory? You know, like secure and insecure and anxious attachment. Yes, you know? avoidance. Avoidance. Yeah. And, well, researchers were curious, how does the Buddha concept of um, of non-attachment relate to attachment theory? They found that those who scored high on a scale of Buddha non-attachment scored up the kazoo high in secure attachment for attachment theory. And secure attachment, is that the best one we want to be? Yeah, yeah well, we want to be a secure. It that way, but it's the healthiest. The healthiest, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest. <laughs> the healthiest attachment style. Yeah, yeah. For, Some secure. Yeah. For for um, for if you want to cultivate a, a healthy relationship, mm -hmm. yeah. Some people, by the way, score high in avoidant attachment style, and they're perfectly content with that. They just mm -hmm. don't want to be in relationships. It's the anxious attachment that's really most problematic. What you is know, the anxious? You're attachment? clingy, clingy. Clean. It's the needy. It's the yeah. needy. It's needy. But isn't that an interesting finding that those um, Buddhist non-attachment, like I don't need this outcome to um, define me. I don't need this out. You're not so tied to the outcome, mm -hmm. right? They tended to feel more secure in their attachments with people. They tended to feel more less anxious in their attachments with people. I think there's an interesting. How do we get there, though? Yeah, you're, you you love the those questions. How do we get there? Which are good questions. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, um, I'm I'm better at the descriptive than the prescriptive. <laughs> kind of. I am. I am getting more in the prescriptive world. Right. Um, uh, there's there are cheesy answers to that question. With like meditation. You know, right. more, but I, that are true, cheesy, but true. You know, mm -hmm. cause I say cheesy because that's what the answer to everything nowadays is yeah. like, well, how do I meditate more? You know, right. but it, it does help a lot to help you detach from your thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, because the key there is you want to not identify with yourself as much as we do. And we automatically identify with ourselves, And then it causes us to, without thinking about it, act, act in ways that we later regret, right. you know. But the more that we can create that space, you know, between stimulus separation and response, separation from self. Yeah, yeah, and not, not it's not we're not identified. We actually see it as for what it is, um, but it's not um, who we. It's not you know. It's it, there's a there's a higher eye. It's transcendence. Know? It's in the book where the bo yeah. the bird is above the sailboat. Yeah, yeah. Where you're yeah. looking down. The perspective at of the seabird. That's you're nice. looking down yeah. at yourself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, humanity, and, you know, all of humanity. It's interesting because when I went to uh, when I. I went to India for a few weeks to study meditation about five years ago now, I guess it was, and we practiced. Did you stick out there? <laughs> I did stick out there too, yeah. But we, we practiced many times, in a weird way, leaving our body. Mm. Like, in meditation practice, our mind leaving our body and, like, seeing ourselves mentally kind of rise above and looking down at ourselves, mm. right? 
And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, we're above ourselves 10 feet. Then we're in the clouds looking down at ourselves. Then we're going beyond the world looking down at all of humanity. And then we're going into other, this sounds weird and woo-woo-y, but it's like going into the universe and seeing the, the earth as a speck. Mm. And then going farther and expanding out and, and seeing the earth gone. Mm. And if you expand yourself from yourself, mentally, visually, and in some type of practice, then you can look at things from a different perspective like you talk about in your book. Yeah. I think that's the key is seeing yourself yeah. from a different perspective than in the chaos of self all day long. Absolutely. I have a friend, David Yadin, who is a, uh, my research collaborator. He now does a lot of work on LSD and mm. um, well-being at Johns Hopkins. Um, but he, uh, he, he has this like virtual reality device and he brought me into his office once. He's like, put this on, put this on. And then I, it was the view from space. He called it the overview effect and wrote a really cool paper on the overview effect. Um, mm. How did uh, it feel when you experienced it? You know, I, a different perspective. Um, I, my, my whole self-reference changed. I was from, it was the view from space, uh, from the view from an astronaut mm -hmm. looking at Earth. Um, and wow, it, it really crazy. does shift your, your, it shifts everything around. You know, you're like, wow, you know, like, where's myself now? You know, right. <laughs> where's myself when I'm not in Earth, when I'm not even on Earth? Yeah. It's crazy, man. <laughs> what, what, what's a, pr a psychological practice that you think we could take on a daily basis? Three, four, or five things that you think, hey, no matter what you're going through, well, life is great. Life Maslow is... had a whole list of, um, and I reprinted them. They were um, they were unpublished um, ways to get into the B realm of really? existence. They weren't published. Yeah, no, no. I I, I gathered them together through various you're like things. A research <laughs> seeker. You're just like diving into all of it. I am a nerd. <laughs> is that what, that's what you're trying to say? <laughs> um, live more in the B realm, okay. and there are a whole bunch of things. I can, I'm just going to rattle through rattle things. Them. Um, uh, sample things. Uh, keep your eye on the ends, not only on the means. Fight familiarization. Seek fresh experiences. Mm. Um, get out of the deficiency world by deliberately going into the B realm. Seek out art galleries, libraries, museums, mm -hmm. beautiful or grand trees in the mountains or seashore. Avoid dichotomizing the D realm and the B realm. They should be hierarchically integrated. An either-or choice is not necessary. The firmest foundation for the being realm is to have satisfied deficiency needs, such as for safety, connection, or self-esteem. But the important thing is to know that um, it's still part of you, right? And, and deficiency have, is a part deficiency of Deficiency is always going to, could be at any moment. Um, you know, at any moment you could be hungry again, you know? Mm. At any, you need, you know, it's not like once you get in the B realm, you're above others, you know? You're above humanity. Um, and I think that's the point he was trying to make there. It's important to keep your grounded in humanity. So we want to be in both realms or more in the B realm? Well, we want to be live more in the B realm, for sure. Okay. But we want to not suddenly think like life's a video game where we, mm. we've reached that level and then we're now seeing other humans from a higher view to vantage point. We're, we're, we're still or, human. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're still human. I think that's the point I was trying to say. Cultivate periods of quiet, meditation, getting out of the world and getting out of our usual locality, immediate concerns, apprehensions, and forebodings. Periodically get away from time and space concerns, away from clocks, calendars, responsibilities, demands from the world, duties and other people go into the dreamy state i've often said the daydream you should create daydreaming time yes in your day i'm such a i call this strategic messing around yes it's, <laughs> it's like the time where you, you you schedule it yeah so where you can just do nothing and allow yourself oh, i want to play a game i want to read i want to explore i want to brainstorm i want to just daydream it should be on your to-do list it, it should, should be, be on, you know spontaneity embrace your past embrace your guilt rather than running from it Ooh. 
be compassionate with yourself. Be understanding, accepting, forgiving, and perhaps even loving about your uh, foibles as expressions of human nature. Enjoy and smile at yourself. Um, ask yourself, how would this situation look to a child, to the innocent, to a very old person who's beyond personal ambition and competition? Mm. Oh, wow. Isn't that good? Old? This is good. Sh this is old good people sh just, you know, older yeah. people, I would say, the generation. Uh, I think it's the, the, in Bronnie Ware's book, the five regrets of the dying. It's like they wish they didn't, um, there's so many wishes that they wish they didn't have done looking back. And they're like, okay, this just doesn't matter at this yeah. stage of my life, you know? I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it doesn't that, matter. It's a different vantage point. Yeah, when you're when you're you've got five years left or two years left, you're like, this stuff doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, this this stuff's so good. Can I read a couple more? Go ahead. Um, uh, do not conceal your ignorance. Admit it. Um, do not let anyone force roles on you. That is, do not act the way other people think that a doctor, minister, or teacher should act if it is not natural for you. Mm. You know. Um, uh, I like this one. Engage in deliberate experimental philanthropy. If sometimes you are no good for yourself, depressed, anxious, at least you can be good for someone else. Isn't that so good? Key, Isn't that good? Um, and, th and this perhaps is my favorite one. If you find yourself becoming egoistic, arrogant, conceited, or puffed up, think of mortality. Or think of other arrogant and conceited people and see how they look. <laughs> Do you want to look like that? <laughs> Do you want to take yourself that seriously mm. to be that unhumorous? Mm. This is a sampling of things. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... The B realm yeah. is the Sounds state good, right? that we want to be in more frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even if we're in there frequently, the deficiency realm will pop up from time to time. It's in that, and it's we need human it, nature. It, Maslow said human development is always two step forwards, one step back. Uh, it's not like a video game. And that's, I think, how we need to think about it. You're not we, always leveling up. It's not a leveling up. You need to choose growth. Um, he has this quote, you know, you can move back towards fear. You can move forward towards growth. You just have to keep choosing the fear option again and again and avoiding, no, choosing the growth option again and again and avoiding the fear option again and again. And that's life. Mm. <laughs> well, and the growth option is probably leaning into the fear and not holding yeah. back and saying, I'm afraid, so I'm not going to act. Right. It's, not the this fear is the fear. It's, uh, I feel fearful, so I need to move towards it. Yeah. I need to grow. I need to overcome. And there's never a stage in our life, at least I haven't realized, I just turned 38, and there's never a stage right. in our life where it's like, oh, I've got to figure it out. I've grown so much, I don't need to grow anymore. Yeah. There's always a new experience or level that we need to grow into, right? Yeah. yeah. What happens if we stop growing? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, with growth is, it's again, it's not like levels. Um, I know a lot of people use that metaphor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't, we never stop growing. I mean, Karen Horney, the um, the one of my favorite, most underrated psychoanalysts, you know, says we have the potential to learn and grow until the day we die. You know, this is a, a quote of hers, and I really do believe that to be true. And I think that even like the la there are examples of people the last two days of their life, um, they're on their deathbed, and they look back at their life and they decide they're gonna like forgive someone, you know, like they're going, like make a big decision, you know, they're going, and, and even in their last breath, they have made it, they've, cho they've chosen growth, <laughs> you right. know, so I think we can choose growth until we die, yeah. What's the thing that you're most afraid of these days that you haven't chosen to grow into? Oh, interesting. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Or uh, you're struggling This is a you. really personal question, yes. Lewis. Yes, But committing to a long-term romantic relationship. Wow. That's a really personal admission. So are you avoidant attachment style? What, what is that attachment style? 
Um, you know, I'm secure attachment, um, but I, I like to play. <laughs> I don't know how else to sure, say this. Sure. I don't know how else to say this. <laughs> I, I do believe in honesty. Yeah. You asked me a question. You yeah. know, I love ex. I my need for exploration oh, is cool. so freaking high that I love partners and 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 lovers that are high in that as well. Mm -hmm. But it can make it hard to. Commit right. one monogamy, one person, right, right. and maybe I don't have to make that choice. So I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Wow, it's a very personal admission. I That's feel like I never admitted that on, a, on an interview before. That's interesting. But um, yeah, yeah. So why is that uh, something meaningful to you right now? Like, like a committed, intimate relationship. Why is well, that meaningful? After COVID, after um, being so um, alone for so long, and reaching a level, uh, a depth of loneliness that I have not experienced my whole life prior to this year. Um, I feel like I'm yearning for something, uh, a, a higher form of spiritual love mm. um, that um, I've been content not having up to this point, really, to the degree that I've had. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely, yeah, that's where my mind is going these days, yeah. Interesting, yeah. you've been okay without that deeper spiritual love up until now with one person yeah right yeah but now yeah. that's something you're seeking i can see the merits of it you know and really? i can i can see the merits of it um do you feel like once you create that you'll be like oh but i really that exploration stage <laughs> of me is like now that i have it uh it's not as exploratory like and you feel like that part of you will have to die no i think the ideal thing would be and and I am you know this is why I am seeking it you know find someone I, you don't have to compromise yourself mm -hmm. I don't think that's in, that's what anyone should do you have to find the life that works for you so I'm in the process of finding the life that works for me and right. and owning it and uh, and you know finding so, uh, someone who's on that same uh, journey of self actualization mm -hmm. you know so you know I'm dating trying to find someone who's on that same you know you know someone whose openness to experience levels are as high as mine which is hard to find because my ex openness to quite frankly quite frankly my openness experience levels are three standard deviations above the mean which means high <laughs> three standard deviations yeah. about what does three. that mean a bell curve bell uh -huh. curve uh, after one standard deviation of the mean, uh -huh. you know, you have like 85, you have two standard deviations, point top 2%. Once you get a three, we're talking point oh 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 one yeah. Of a standard of living or of a standard No, no, of... this is, it's statistics. You, know, you have to take a statistics course to really understand what a standard gotcha. deviation is. Gotcha. But when you, when you have a bell curve, it's all normalized. What percentage, proportion of the population sure. are various things. When you're in the middle, it's like uh -huh. the most people yes. are the are you know most populous, and you're the tail. Some of the tail tail of the right, the very tail. Is this based on what your your standard for living or your quality of life or what's no? The, what are we calculating? Openness to experience. Uh, gotcha. How you know like very, how high am I your, relative your to other threshold people? Threshold for for experiencing newness and I'm so open right and that sometimes if you want to commit to something you got to close something <laughs> right right <laughs> sometimes you got to someone someone may not feel safe next to you in that situation if they're on the other side oh yeah i mean if you're like all the way extreme like close minded like right. if you're on the, if you're close minded to yeah. that degree those people i don't really feel comfortable with right. you know um, but I think, you know, striking maybe a healthier balance in my life would be good, you know, because I'm so open, like, I don't care who you are, like, you know, like, you're a serial killer, I'm like, well, don't, A, don't kill me, but B, tell me all about, you know, what it's like to be a serial killer, because isn't that interesting? It's That's interesting. Fascinating. <laughs> it's yeah. fascinating. They like, probably shouldn't, they should be in jail, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, I'm like, A, like, don't kill me, like, I don't want that, I'm not that open. But you're a curious mind. Yeah. I'm so curious yeah, about people, about um, I don't like to limit my uh, options, my mm, freedom to yeah. explore. 
But, you know, I mean, look, I, uh, so anyway, you, you asked me, I, I'm, I'm telling you where I'm, what I'm struggling with, uh, you know, is kind of finding the, the, right, the right life for me. Mm. Yeah. How does a psychologist who studies this stuff approach a committed long-term relationship if that's the fear or the uncertainty in yeah. your life? Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those things that maybe I will decide. I'm in. The, I'm still in exploring mode, so um, people um, are explaining to me what the uh, the um, the uh, polyamorous life looks uh-huh, like, uh-huh. and I haven't fully explored it, but I'm still in exploring. You're mode. in the right city for that. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I have some friends in Venice, Santa Monica. Or... Do you know what I'm saying? The people who are into that world, though, they love it. They like love they, it. they swear by it. Yes. And I'm not a hundred, I also don't know I'm anyone. Convinced. Yeah, I also yeah. don't know anyone who's been in that world for over ten years and is still healthy, interesting, whole, and still swears. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success, from before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals, knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. That's really I, interesting. I haven't, I've met people who are really? like three to five years in and still okay, but I haven't met couples like after 10, 15, 20 years who are like, this is the way we swear by this. It's worked for two decades for us. It still works today. The, I just haven't, I haven't maybe because I'm not why, in those circles yeah. necessarily, but I hear you. I don't see that being talked about a lot. The reason why I'm not 100% sure it's, it's, it's for me is because I feel like, uh, I'm not going to say dealing with one person's hard enough, but I did kind of just say that, but um, <laughs> cultivating a healthy, meaningful relationship with one person is hard enough. Well, I think also cultivating a spiritual loving relationship with one person is the a, higher form of spiritual is a love. full-time energy commitment feels like and it. if you're in three to five it's hard to give the spiritual love i'm add yeah. i i feel like that would be so i know that i would inadvertently fuck it up you know yeah. there'd be one woman who'd be like how come you didn't attend to my needs with it and it's like mm-hmm. look i didn't mean to not do it i just right. my my brain scattered across five women here you yeah. know what i'm saying like give me a break <laughs> exactly. it's a lot of needs yeah. <laughs> you know but um but you know and, and, <laughs> and if one of them you know and if one of them are needy you're going to repel them and say you're not for me yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's uh, a <laughs> wait but yeah 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 the whole yeah, that's the callback in right. improv that right, you just right. did i love exactly. that so you know but so but you, you see what i'm saying is mm-hmm. like i feel like i would rather commit and this is where i think i'm going is really to, just trying to just commit to really building something beautiful that's um because i think i could i mean i do it with my work mm-hmm. you know i when i when i wrote a book you know transcend i i put my heart and soul into it you know um you know i, I feel like uh, i could certainly put my heart and soul into a relationship do you think human beings can put their whole heart and soul in their purpose which is the top of the sailboat the purpose and their love life can you put your heart and soul in both full energy full commitment and both thrive to accomplish the levels of i want to know 
I want to know. <laughs> Isn't that Casey and Jody song? Saying? Sure. No, but I really want to know the answer to that question. And um, I've devoted so much of my life to my work, you know, mm -hmm. and like nine books. You know, it's like just like, and then it's like, you know, I'm curious if I put that same energy into cultivating a relationship. But you're saying, can you cultivate both? And that's the very the same time. And that's the really truly interesting question that I want to know the answer to. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Uh, do you, are you in a relationship right yeah, now? Yeah. Um, what, how's that process been? Were you skeptical that that you could do it, and then now you've realized I'm, I'm it's still skeptical. Okay. I can, you know, it's okay. like I yeah. mean, was I skeptical? I've been in long-term relationships for the last decade, so I wasn't skeptical I could be in a long-term relationship. But, gotcha. But it's always for me the fear lies in: is this going to take me away from my mission or support me in going after my mission more? Because for me. It's weird to say, I hate to say this, maybe I shouldn't say I hate to say it, but I feel guilty sometimes saying that the most important thing to me in my life, beyond my health and my uh, my personal, I guess, the health of my mind, my body, and my spirit is my mission. That's the most important thing at this stage of my life. Now maybe when I'm 70, or 60 or whatever, in a few years, I might say the most important thing is my family. Yeah. My family is important. It yeah. is a priority. It's not the only, the top priority. And I feel guilty sometimes saying that publicly even because I know so many people say family is everything. The only thing that matters is family. The relationships you have are the only thing that matters. The intimate relationship is the most important thing. Yeah. And Some I agree. Pressure, societal pressures. Right? Yeah, and I agree that it is an important thing. And I want it to be a high priority. Mm. I just don't know at this stage of my life if it's a greater priority to put more time and energy and attention into that over my mission. Because How I, does your girlfriend feel about that? <laughs> well, it doesn't mean I don't neglect her. I mean, I spend a lot of time and energy, a lot of commitment, a lot of... You tend uh, to her needs. 100%. At least I do my best. Yeah. Right. You 100% do your best. <laughs> I understand my best. And I believe I, you know, I'm there for all of her needs. Yeah. Um, Cool. But I'm also, but it means if I'm the rest of my time is on my mission, I'm letting go of other things that I wouldn't be able to do as much based on just time. So it's learning how do I evolve, how do I grow into a new version of myself so that I can be 100% in my mission. And what I've learned in the last couple of years is like, okay, I've got to build a team. It can't just be all me and a couple of us That's right. doing it all, all day long, That's obsessing right. over the mission. We've got to build a team let go of responsibilities, you know, trust people. It's mm -hmm. like you have to elevate and grow yeah. into the sailboat. Yeah. It's like you got to reach out beyond what you're comfortable with, learn new skills, master new things, build confidence, fail, take a step back, whatever, in order to be able to be there in the relationship, my health, and the mission. Yeah. And so it's been a definitely been a journey. Yeah. It's, you know, it's beautiful, but it's challenging at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So I think it's... I think for you, it'd be like, okay, you're obsessive in the books every year, and uh, you know, and this is all you do, but maybe you have to hire a couple more people to help you with that. You've got a researcher now, but maybe you need three researchers in the future yeah. if you want to have three hours a day with your partner and explore. It's a, it's a great point. It's like, that's a challenge. It's a challenge. I think it's also one of the things, once you find the right person, uh, things kind of take care of themselves, mm -hmm. you know, as well, you know, yeah. and... Uh, I could, I could definitely see a universe in which I found the right person and then these issues just wouldn't be an issue anymore, you know, like, cause right, I, right. it'd be nice to have, like, an adventure partner, a life adventure partner, you know, sure. like, I really would like to support someone else in what they're doing. It's, I don't right. want it to be all about me, you know, right. but it has got to be the right person. Until then, I'm going to play. <laughs> 
keep playing away, man. <laughs> yeah. So exploration, love, and purpose yes. is, once we have safety, connection, and self-esteem, those are the next three things we're seeing. By the way, can right? I just say, I want to show, someday, my wife, I want her to watch this episode. You should, yeah. I feel like I'm glad we documented yes, this pre, pre me finding the one. Yes. But I feel like, I do get the feeling someday I'm going to ha- find the person uh-huh. and then I want to have them watch this episode. Watch this yeah, episode. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No worries. So, yeah. We got safety, connection, and self-esteem are the things that we need as our foundation. Yeah. And then after that, it's exploration, love, and purpose. Yeah. Why is love not something, is that the same thing as connection? Be love. Love for the being of others, it's different than connection. Uh, a higher sense of higher love. Higher form of spiritual Loving form. humanity, the world, the universe, everything. Treating each human as sacred. Each individual existence as sacred. Um, love for the being of others, not what they do for you or what they can uh, provide for you or even if they offer um, mm-hmm. a way to satisfy your loneliness independent of all that independent and how do we discover our purpose that's a good question (laughs) i I don't know if we there's one purpose that we Uh discover but i think that there are a lot of callings that um that if we're listening outside Mm -hmm. of ourselves, we can hear them and we can see ourselves as having a a reasonable number of skill set to be able to contribute to it Mm -hmm. Um, i don't think it's any more dramatic than that you know like people act as though like um, you know, what if I never find my one true purpose? You know, it's like chill. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's multiple tr- things. Trust me, there's a lot of needs in the world that need mm-hmm. fulfilling, mm-hmm. and you can offer that. I love the idea of just listening. I think we're too caught up in reacting to things mm-hmm. constantly on our phone, observing other things, or responding as opposed to being still and listening. From a young, uh, uh, as a young child. I was alone a lot, and I remember feeling very insecure. I didn't have safety, connection, or self-esteem for many years of my childhood. I didn't feel those things. And I would sit alone. I didn't have many friends, and I would sit alone mm-hmm. and just ask questions. So I was like, why am I here? What's the purpose of this? What's the reason of my life? Am I even, should I even be here? Um, and, I, and I would listen, and I would, I would eventually get out of all the noise, and I'd listen, and I'd hear, be like, something was calling me. Like I could hear something inside mm. when I listened, when I was still, when I wasn't stressed and anxious. I could hear something saying, no, stick around, like go after this, try this thing, like go do this, keep mm. going after it. Like there's a reason behind it all. And the, I didn't know what it all meant, but it makes, as we're, if we're a historian of our past, like you write about in your book, it starts to make more sense yeah. every chapter that we're in in our life. And, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to be looking back at these, you know, where I am now and be like, oh, yeah, this made sense for what I'm doing then. Yes. I think if we look at it that way, it's more beneficial, but it's scary because we don't know what our purpose is a lot of the times. But I think if we can be purpose in the moment, if we can say, I'm going to be purpose, I'm going to live in purpose by contributing to the person I see next to me, by working on myself, by helping others and just being it, not trying to find purpose then it's going to be a little easier. Do you realize you just added a new uh, term to the sailboat model? Uh, there's be love and there's be purpose. Oh, really? You, you just added that. I love it. Is there, I thought that was already it. Be I purpose? never used that phrase. Be no, purpose. No, yeah. Being, being purpose. Being, knowing just that I am you purpose. do that with love, yeah. you, you extrapolated that to purpose. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. We'll add that as a footnote in the next book. No, you know. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, be thanks, purpose. Uh, reference this interview. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I think that's... Um, 
That's interesting. It's we don't have, even if we don't know what our purpose is, we can be it though. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just showing up today is knowing that I am enough. Yeah, building the self worth and saying I don't need to have something to be enough. That's exactly right. I am it. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. And I just don't like that idea of the you know I have a lot of my students and be like, what is the one true purpose? You know, I just don't like the way of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's put way too much pressure on someone and limits you from seeing all of the callings, listening. Listening to all of the callings, you know that 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 uh, that are coming outside of yourself. It's the key there is getting outside of your ego, getting outside mm-hmm. of your own self needs, and be aware of the needs of others. Um, you know, your purpose can be a small. Uh, well, I wouldn't even call it small, but like if you're just a stay-at-home mom, you know, mm-hmm. like and you raise a child, I mean, that's actually a, it could be a big purpose. You right. know, I, I, you know. Yeah. It's, I adopted a cat about a month ago, mm-hmm. and. Um, How's that going for you? <laughs> it's been great, actually. It's been I've been great. thinking about adopting a I dog. I adopted this cat. I have yeah. a dog already uh, with my girlfriend. And I your had a dog was your girlfriend? I have a dog with my girlfriend. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I have a dog with my girlfriend. <laughs> but I've been, I had a cat like a, eight years ago that I loved. It was a great oh. cat that I adopted as well. Okay. But I gave him to my mom when I started moving. I moved to New York City and I was traveling a lot. And so I gave it to my mom. And I've always been like, for some reason, when you find a great cat, it's like it added so much joy to my life. Really? It's you got to find the right cat though. Yeah, it's I like finding it, the right partner, you know. It's like if it's the wrong cat, it's going to be a nightmare just like if it was the wrong partner. <laughs> yes. This yes. cat has been a great addition to okay. my life and the purpose of just caring for mm. the animal mm. and and supporting the cat and feeding the cat and like you know, petting petting her and just being in that energy she brings me calm and peace. She purrs on me. Mm. I'm contributing to the, her life, well-being, hopefully. And that sense of like, oh, I've got somewhere to go tonight to like take care of. Yes. That purpose, just even with an animal, yeah, is meaningful to me. It's added value in the first month of adopting her. So there's there's Love things that. we can create in our life to develop that sense of purpose Love that. and being purpose on a daily basis. But that's it. You create it. Yeah. You create. You don't discover it. You create it. You create that, we I've, we just. We just nailed it. <laughs> That's it. But I have a theory and a, a thesis. Help me flesh this out in your psychological researching approach. That it is near impossible to achieve greatness if we doubt ourselves. Mm. If, we, if we lack uh, the belief in ourselves. If we constantly live in self-doubt, it's really hard to accomplish. I think that there's, mm. I've seen so many different great athletes over the years mm. who were way more talented than me. Mm. Freaks of nature, but they didn't believe in themselves. Mm. The coaches believed in them. Teammates were like, you're the best on the team. You're wow. a freak of nature. But for whatever reason, inside, they didn't believe it. Yeah. And I have a theory that it doesn't matter if the world believes in you and says, you're the greatest. You're the greatest of all time. You have the most talent, the most skill, the most potential, but if the person doesn't learn to build that self-esteem, that self-belief, mm. that they will never be able to fulfill that potential or that purpose or whatever it is for them. And I also have this belief that it doesn't matter if everyone says you're the worst in the world or something. Oh. If everyone's against you, if you learn to build that confidence within and eliminate that self-doubt, that you can go accomplish what you're supposed to do, that what you want to do. Mm. So I'm curious your thoughts on this from a uh, psychologist researcher point of view. Uh, about self-doubt, if if we learn the ability to build confidence, or if we only doubt ourselves, can we still fulfill that with that doubt inside of us? It does make it more difficult, for sure. 
Um, and the interesting thing there is that, that uh, your self-doubt can be separated from your confidence in your specific skill set. Like you, you might have um, a very, um, I don't know, like Michael Phelps, well, Michael Phelps, you know, suffered from depression, you know, mm-hmm. but I think he would uh, understand that he was pretty darn skilled in swimming. Yes. But, but these things can separate from each other. So this sort of sense of self um, the, the, the kind of a core belief. It comes to it comes down to what psychologists call a core belief um, within uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, the, the core belief there is sometimes I'm unworthy, um, or I'm a uh, you know like I'm rotten at the core you know of me, mm. and, it, and 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 that can form completely independently of your your whole mastery journey. That can form very young. That belief can mm. form very young in your life. Like I'm bad, wrong, rotten. Yeah. yeah. It often uh, forms uh, in, in the result of maybe if you're bullied when you're young, or maybe mm-hmm. even you had parents who, um, uh, who, who well, were passive aggressive, verbally or, yeah. abusive, yeah. verbally abusive, or passive. There's actually a long list of things that parents can do, to f- right. including giving you bad genes. By the way, that's right. another way they f- you up. Right. <laughs> it's not always the way they treat you. Right. They give you their genes, um, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We don't talk about that. Sure, but um. Um, but um, these are things that can be unlearned, and I think that mm. um, it takes an active process of learned hopefulness to do it, because learned helpfulness is the default response. That's uh, Martin Seligman's um, mo- most recent uh, discovery: is that the research he's done on learned helpfulness, help, helplessness, learned helplessness, where we feel like uh, we do have things that are open to us, but we have gone so long thinking that we're not capable of it, so we no longer. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't get or get what really we could have. Mm. You know, like we do hold ourselves back. Um, we have to actively learn hopefulness. It's not a process that just comes automatically because we get older. You know, it's learn a, hopefulness. It's a whole process. Yeah, we. You know, there's. We have to learn all the skills um, that allow us to recenter our attention and um, focus on our on our on our real chosen values. Um, in alignment of our values with what we're doing in our lives, um, and to um, to constantly um, shift that focus away from um, from a self concept um, to what we're doing, you know, in the what are we doing, not who are we, you know, um, just, you know, just take for uh, take take for granted that who you are is enough, you know. Okay, move on, mm-hmm. <laughs> move on, and you know now the focus is on what am I doing, you know, that's my focus. And you just have to keep exercising that muscle day in and day out. You wake up in the morning, boom, you spring out of bed. What am I doing today? Not you don't wake out of wake up, spring out, say, oh, who am I today? It's like <laughs> get get over that, right, <laughs> get right. over that. You know, like if your self is going to shift from every morning you wake up, that's not a very healthy way of of of, of being in the world. Yeah, I have a a contract that I created with myself about seven years ago. Uh, that is a, a mantra, statement, or a contract that I created with myself that says, I'm a loving, passionate, wise man. Mm. And I say that because previous to seven years ago, I didn't think I was that. Mm. And so really? I created a process where I would say this to myself on a daily basis, and I would find evidence to continue to prove to myself why I'm a loving, passionate, wise man. Because yes. I always felt like I was this stupid, ignorant, mm. unworthy type of mentality. Mm. I had confidence in certain areas of my life, on sports and other things, but then I also had doubts. Mm. And I found evidence on why I was like the dumbest in the class and you know, dyslexic and all these things, but now I'm just like, well, I'm a loving, passionate, wise man, and I find 
evidence and I create and I do things daily that support that evidence, wow. that support that belief. So good. So it's not just like uh, fake belief. It's like, okay, no, I am this. I need to remind myself that I am this. And I can do little things on a daily basis to show myself that I'm a loving man. You grew into it. Yeah, yeah that I'm a passionate man, that I'm a wise man. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't need to be the most intelligent human being, but I'm a wise man. And I make better decisions every day. You're intelligent, though. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. But it's, I think it's um, that learned hopefulness. You know, sometimes we're, I believe that I was bad at the core of me for many years. I felt like I was rotten. I would have dreams that my teeth were falling out all the time. And I remember talking to a dream analyst that was like, oh, That's actually a common dream, right? Why? Yeah. And she was like, Yeah, it's because you think you're a rotten person. And so your teeth fall out in your dream and you like wake up and you're like, ah, where are my teeth? You know, it's like, or there's a string stuck in the back of your throat and you keep oh, pulling it out right. and you can't, that's never had that's that another one. one. Yeah. And so I had this dream for many, many years and my teeth were like falling out or something and, and, and I'd wake up in fear and I was like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And that's what I heard. So I have no idea if that's true or not, but I think that when we start to shift our, our level of thinking about ourselves. Uh, and create different values and then act accordingly to fulfill on those things. How important is it from a psychologist's point of view, the way we think and the things we say to ourselves internally on a daily basis? Oh, very important. Self-talk is, is so key. Wait a minute. So it's not woo-woo? No, there's science to that woo-woo. There's yeah. science to yeah. self-talk. Yeah. Give, give me the science to self-talk. Yeah. You know, the, um, the, the secret uh, is, <laughs> you were referring to the secret earlier, I mean, the woo-woo would be saying that whatever you conjure in your head automatically happens in the yeah, world. Without that work. would be yeah, woo-woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, like, um, uh, I'm going to have a lot of money in my bank account, and then you know, I would check my bank account. Boom! <laughs> I, wish, I wish the world operated that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, self-talk is very important, and um, the, the, particularly the narratives we tell ourselves, you know, about who we are and what we're capable of are really, really important. Um, what is the science or the research proving about self-talk? Is there studies around this? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's certainly studies about uh, various mindsets, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to go in that direction. Growth versus fixed. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, healthier mindsets versus unhealthier mindsets. Um, you know, there's the whole victimhood mentality, right? I mean, that's, that's a version of self-talk, mm-hmm. in my opinion. If you have uh, convinced yourself that because you were a victim in the past, you will never ever get out of it, you know, and be able to have hope in your life. If you tell yourself that story, um, you start to live that story. Right. Yeah. So how do we get out of that victimhood mentality and negative self-talk mentality if that's been a narrative we lived with for decades? Yeah, I mean, you can't rip people's defenses. Uh, you know, as a clinician, you know, we, the one thing you learn is, you know, you need to gradually, uh, until someone's ready, you know, mm. they're ready. You can't, you know. Can't force it. Have, and you can't talk to, and also you can't, like, you can't talk to someone who's, like, in that mentality, and let's say they're screaming at you, and then you, and you, you think it's going to work if you say, you know, you are, have a bit of a victimhood mentality right now, and uh, it's not the healthiest for your growth and development. I read Transcend by Scott Perry <laughs> Kaufman. They're going to get even more angry. Right. Then. You can't, you know, you need to, you can't rip it off of people, and you can't rip it, off, you know, when you're not ready yourself. I think it needs to be a gradual process where you keep testing the waters. That's one of the, uh, I, have a, I, I teach an online course uh, for, around my book um, where I have these growth challenges, and mm. one of them is called Test the Waters, you know, and, and it's about, um, uh, you know, uh, so if there's a certain type of person you fear, like, like, like a lot of women, 
um, who uh, it's, it's, it's a great shame, you know, that they've been abused, you know, sexually abused. But then they start to generalize a fear of men, right? In general, I can't trust all right? men. All right? men do this. So they visually react whenever they see any man. Yes. Um, you know, that they they visually react like you know men are horrible. You know, and then so testing the waters. You know, like what if you engage in a conversation with a man? You know, and it, it, and and you know, did it go that bad? You know, like what are all men like that? And and I don't mean to just pick on women. You know, they can happen in anything. That was just one example I used. You know, like um, you know, uh, people in, in all sorts of ways can start to generalize a fear of a whole general class of something, whether it's a whole general class of people or a whole general class of um, what water, like I'm scared of water, you know, talking about test the waters, you know, yeah, yeah. and then what you do is, you know, a little bit, but exposure therapy is the only way forward. It's the only way. It's, you know, you have to, you have to move in the direction or else you stay in the fear option your whole life. Exposure therapy, what does that mean? You know, like little by little, um, uh, not having experiential avoidance. Mm. You know, experiential avoidance is constantly avoiding anything that could even slightest give you the experience again of what you had. You know, yeah. um, uh, you know, so so slowly, you know, starting to to integrate yourself into the world, into the thing that you fear the most. You know, and and um, and of course, you know, you still want to be safe. You know. Um, you know, I'm not saying you escape the clutches of a or you go back to that serial killer and test the waters with a serial killer. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. You, I'm saying be reasonable. But, um, but, but the, the point is the, the problem becomes when we, when we generalize the fear sure. um, to everything in the world and it holds us back mm -hmm. from uh, realizing our full potential. Yeah, I have this thing called the, the, the fear list. Uh, since I was younger, in my mm -hmm. teens, I would create this fear list because I had many fears, tons mm -hmm. of them. A lot of insecurities, mm -hmm. doubt, things like that. And I would write down my fears every year. And in order to become more fearless, I had to overcome the fear list and check them oh, off the nice. list. And so I realized that it only the only way that I could have more confidence, the only way I could believe in myself more, mm -hmm. was by going all in on the fear until the, mm -hmm. fear, the fear disappeared. That's right. And um, I was fortunate enough to find that out like in my teens. And it's been a huge gift for me over the last you know two decades, I guess, by okay, what's missing in my life? Where am I where am I not willing to take risks? What am I still afraid of? What am I still resistant to? And I'd write the I'll write these lists and I'm like, oh that's the top of the that's the biggest react ah, I'm nervous about that one the most. Dang it. it means I gotta go all in on that. Yeah. And what I like to do is create an experience or a game mm. around executing it. Mm. And one experience, I've told this on my, my show before is um, I was terrified of girls when I was a teenager. I don't know if you ever were, or if you've just been this confident human being. <laughs> Definitely was. <laughs> Definitely was. And I remember saying, like, I'm sick and tired of just, like, being nervous around girls. Mm -hmm. Like, not even be able to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You feared rejection. Absolutely. That, that, was, that was the biggest fear. Rejection, yeah. judgment, humiliation. It was yeah. the biggest fear. Yeah. And I created the experiments and games for the last 20 years to overcome that fear, to throw myself into rejection, to do things that... Uh, I shouldn't succeed at. In order to see, like, what can I do if people reject me? I'm still here. You're like, still here. Feel it all. Like, feel the pain, the embarrassment, the loneliness. Like, oh, but I still have this skill and yeah. this tool and this relationship. Like, I'm still here. And I did that with girls in my teens where I was like, I created an experiment for a summer, for two and a half months, where every day whenever I saw a girl that I was nervous around, mm. 
I had to go right up to them and have a conversation. Wow. And it was terrifying the first few weeks because I got rejected and laughed at. One girl literally ran away from me. Oh, wow. Can you imagine being a 16-year-old and a girl running away from you? I was just like, yeah. I am worthless. Uh, no one loves me. Yes. Why am I doing this? This yes. is stupid, right? Yes, yes. But you learn new strategies. You learn ways of being. You learn how to overcome that the more you do it. Yeah. And if you take that rejection or failure as feedback and information, then you can apply it to the next thing that you're doing. I would even add one thing. I love everything you said. I, I would add that if you can cultivate be love, you start to realize the sacredness mm. of in, each existence. And if the person is, if the girl's running away from you, you cultivate a be love for her, where you say, "Oh, you know what? She made that choice, and I mm. totally respect." I love and accept her for yeah. Who she is. Do you know what I'm saying? Not yeah. what she offers to me. But I'm going to show be love to her, you know. Like mm-hmm. obviously, like <laughs> whatever was going on there, like you, it, it wasn't a good match, right. you know. And she made her choice, yeah, you know. Honor it, honor it, right. you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. How do we? Isn't be love great? It's great? It changes your life. Yeah, it yeah. does. How do we create these? How do we discover these core beliefs and values that will support our journey? Um, and what are some of the? more supportive values and beliefs that you've seen or studied? Yeah. Um, A lot of these um, deficiency-motivated ways of thinking Mm -hmm. really do hold us back. And um, the kind of of, like thoughts and and habits of pattern that allow us to move in the direction of growth um, are ones where we ask ourselves, what is going to lead me to more wholeness and integration mm-hmm. um, and growth as opposed to what is going to um, make me look better than others, make wow. me um, achieve more than others, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're very much, as we call it an exploration mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, once you kind of adopt an exploration mindset, you, uh, everything changes in your life. I mean, everything, like you're curious about everything, you know, you're... Um, uh, you, you're, uh, you become kind of a little adventure seeker. Yes. You know, even even within your own mind, you become a little adventure seeker. You know, it does not always exploring adventures outside, but you can have a rich fantasy life. You of can course. have a rich, you know, um, ideas. And um, uh, I think it's it's really keep choosing those habits over and over again. Yeah. You know, and uh, committing yourself to it. Yeah. I like that, man. Yeah. How do you think we can let go of limiting beliefs? Isn't it a matter of practice, you know, little by little? You know, it's just these, these things don't happen overnight. Right. Um, there, there are people, I think both of us and everyone listening to this interview can think of, um, think of yourself when you were 16. Like mm-hmm. even like you're, yeah. everybody, everybody right now listening to us, think of yourself when you're 16 and think about those limiting beliefs you had. Now think of yourself now. I imagine there's a lot of people listening that will be like, they don't even recognize who that person was. Yeah. You know, so clearly you proved that you were capable of shedding it. Mm-hmm. But it, it happens over time. It ha- you need to have patience and self-compassion with yourself. Right. Um, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm a big um, uh, proponent of cultivating both of those things yeah. with yourself. Patience with yourself and, and self-compassion right. for yourself. The challenge is most of us beat ourselves up. When we do something wrong or we fail or someone rejects us, oh, you know, we beat ourselves. At least I did for yeah. many years of my life. We, we say, oh, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. Why did you do that? And yeah. we don't move beyond that. Why, yeah. do we, why do we kind of tend to go back into this beat-up mode, do you think? 
Yeah. And well, they also say, and, and, and narcissists tend to beat up others for their failures. <laughs> they don't beat up themselves because they they're godly. They blame it on every single person in their orbit, um, and mm. they never blame it on themselves. They never take responsibility. So there's, there's an inverse of that, too, that's unhealthy. That's the they heart of narcissism, too. Yeah. The heart of the narcissism! Heart of <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You said that the, earlier. Is yeah. the, the first one was... Entitlement. Entitlement. The second right. one would be they blame. They don't take accountability. When you fail, you beat up on everyone else but yourself. You got to take accountability yeah. and responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. a huge fan of responsibility. Yes, and you can take responsibility for your actions without beating yourself up. And mm. I think that's what we're trying to nail. That is key. That's what so we're. How nailing. do we take responsibility for our actions and not beat ourselves up in a negative way? Because um, you can acknowledge that if something didn't land. You can be like, huh, you know, I need to work on it. I need to improve it, you know. Um, but the the point you don't beat yourself up on is 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 belief, your self belief that you're capable of change, mm. you're capable of growth. I wrote a tweet the other day, did not land the way I wanted it to. Boy, did it not land the way I wanted it to. But I thought to myself, and I started, I got a lot of you know like trolls and stuff. But then I responded to the trolls and I said, you know what? I clearly didn't explain it the way that I meant to explain mm. it. I think in the future I'm going to try to be clear what I meant. And they're like. Ugh! <laughs> like you know, they they didn't like they didn't know how to respond to that. Sure, you know? sure. But but I meant it. You know, it's like you know clearly that that's that's what it is. You know, I'm not I'm gonna take responsibility. I, I but I don't feel like I'm a loser. You know, I don't sure. feel like I you know any any some deep core I revealed about my you know, <laughs> right 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 you know? right. It's like wow, I really that didn't that didn't land. I'm gonna take responsibility for that. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's something you discovered in the last year since writing this book? new research or new findings about human beings, about psychology. Is there anything that you've discovered new? I'm really fascinated with the LSD research. It's like it, it, research come out recently showing that people are healthier physically when they do more LSD. Really? Like, like where did that come from, right? Like that's amazing. Um, you know, it can, it can decrease, you know, uh, I'm not talking about the abuse of it, obviously, but, you know, used responsibly. Yeah, I feel like you always have that kind of, yeah, sure. use responsibly. Um, uh, it, it, it seems to be uh, decreasing depression, you know, like um, uh, expanding your sense of self. I'm fascinated with that line of research. I'm fascinated with other techniques that are being used, um, uh, like technologies like transcranial direct stimulation. These like, caps you can put in your head like um, you go in the brain you put something in there it doesn't go in the brain no you just it's like a thinking cap you can, um, you're going to be able to buy it from walmart someday what is it going to do you just put it in your head deactivate certain parts of your brain and turns up the juice Shut up. on the creative parts of your brain it allows you to overcome thinking blocks you know like um, really? but it's but it's also um, showing some promise for depression yeah it's non-invasive. I have never been under but it's um it's non-invasive and apparently people who say it just you feel a tingle yeah, and and, it's, and it doesn't last forever. I mean, it's it's time limited as well. It's not like your prefrontal cortex is forever going to be deactivated, you know. Um, so that's kind yeah. of interesting. Um, I I'm, I think there's a lot of hot areas. Uh, you know, I, I find the narcissism research um, in in the on the topic of vulnerable narcissism that I've studied. Yeah, really I saw this in your book too. What does this mean, vulnerable narcissism? It's a more. Um, uh, it, it's 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 you feel like you're entitled to special privileges not because you think you're great, but because you've suffered in the past. Ooh, explain that. That more. opens up a whole. That opens up vulnerable narcissism. Yeah, that opens up a whole can. So because I'm a victim. Because I've because in my past I've um, been, been wronged. I've been wronged in particular. I I'm deserve everything. Ooh, man. That's a hot topic. I know. I know. That's, that's, I know, a, touch, I know. that's a touchy. We, but at the end of our interview, we don't want to. Yeah, you know, we know, that's a whole other interview. So why? Um, that's a whole other interview. Well, let's let's talk about it briefly. 
what does vulnerable narcissism do to the person who is being that state? What is the benefit to that? And what is the negative side of saying, well, I'm entitled to this because this happened to me when I was younger, or this happened to my family, or my parents, or this happened, you know, I didn't it's get what so, I deserved. It's a very self-limiting um, uh. viewpoint. It really does hold you back from growth. Um, you, it, it calls your interactions with others. It makes you uh, miss out on opportunities uh, for growth with others, you know. Um, and it, it's not a good way to make friends. Um, it's not a good way to be trusted by others. It's not a good way to, it's not, it's not, not best way to live one's life, uh, a good life. Uh, so vulnerable narcissism equals entitlement, essentially, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, my three-way, my, my three-factor yeah. narcissism model. <laughs> Give it to me. Entitlement is the thread that runs through all four. It's, it is the heart, as you put it. It is the heart of all forms of narcissism. But they're moderators. So people who tend to be more extroverted tend to become more grandiose narcissists, whereas those who are introverted mm -hmm. tend to become more uh, vulnerable narcissists. Now, I'm not saying that... Um, uh, most extroverts are not grandiose narcissists. Most introverts are not vulnerable narcissists. But I'm saying um, if you have the entitlement plus extroversion or do you have the entitlement plus the neuroticism. Um, it's actually actually more less introversion. I would say more the, the trait neuroticism. So you can be an uh, entitled, you can be an entitled neurotic or you can be an entitled grandiose extrovert. Mm. And they're two forms. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're neurotic, you're... You're, you see threat everywhere. You know, you think everyone's out to get you. You have a, you start to get a complex. You know, that's vulnerable narcissism. You know, I've been wronged and I don't trust anyone. You know, like the slightest criticism, you go crazy. You know, you're, sure. you go, you're fragile, you know, and you fragile within. So you tend to be more prone to inner depression, mm. whereas grandiose narcissists tend to take out their their anger on, on others. others, but they tend to be content and happy. Actually, we found research showing that grandiose narcissists score higher in life satisfaction, even though everyone else around them shows Suffers. lower life satisfaction. Because they get all their anger or frustration they out. They take it out others. on everyone else. And they they fire everyone, everyone in your cabinet, for instance. You know, like, right. it's not my fault. <laughs> but the vulnerable narcissist tends to be the one that shows up in, 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 in the clinical realm. I think Because they keep it all inside. They keep it all inside and they implode as expo as, 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 instead of exploding. Interesting. In a way, I think it's a lot easier to have compassion for the vulnerable narcissist. It's it, it it's harder to have compassion for the grandiose narcissist. You know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Wow. But even though we should have compassion for everyone. Of course. Of <laughs> course. Yeah. How does someone um, command respect, it, as opposed to saying you need to respect me? What's the person that is actually well respected? What is their way of being? How do they build themselves up so that they actually do attract respect, opportunities, love? What does you that answered that earlier, though, with your with example. Respect? Yeah, well, you answered that with the, the dancing, your dancing example. Yeah. You didn't command the respect at a certain right. moment of time. Um, there are people who command respect by their presence, mm -hmm. by their, their essence, their being. Um, and, um, and, and I think that crosses introversion, extroversion lines. There's a lot of quiet people who command respect, mm -hmm. not, even by, even, not even by talking. You know, um, some people can just enter a room, you know, and sit down. Everyone's like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, what, who's this person? What have, what have they done <laughs> in order to command that, you think? They do have a very, very strong core belief in themselves. Belief? You mean self-esteem? They have a strong confidence level. They have a strong belief, calm. What is that? I would say, I would go further. I would say in my sailboat metaphor, their boat is rock solid. 
And that's, that's all the things that I put in the boat. Mm. They feel safe. They feel, um, uh, they don't feel like they need people um, to, mm. for their own, to uh, be happy. To, yeah. for their own, well, even loneliness. You know, they don't feel, they don't need people to satisfy that hole. And then they feel um, a sense of self-worth and they feel like they've mastered things in their lives. I think mm. when you get the complete package of the, of the boat, you know, I think that probably you start to witness someone who, yeah, commands respect without commanding it. Yeah. I th one of the things that was on my fear list was being alone when I was younger, mm. in my early 20s. I remember thinking like, I'd never had a spare hour by myself really. It was mm. always like, okay, I'm in school, I'm in sports class, and then right afterwards it's like, I go hang out with friends until mm. I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And there was never this, and when I was alone, I was like insecure. So I remember saying, I need to be alone. I get to be alone to master this insecurity. Yeah. This is a fear of mine. And for years, I said, I'm going on dates by myself. I'm going to lunch by myself. I'm going to movies alone, which was like terrifying to go to a movie by myself. I was like, this is weird. I would do everything that I could alone. Not my whole life, but I was like, I'm scheduling alone time. Do you feel like you're a loner? Now? No, no, did, did, did you feel like No, I felt like alone? I was insecure. I needed uh -huh. to be... I. I only could be around other people to be happy. I see. And so I was like, I need to be alone, learn how to be happy on my own. I see. Enjoy my own company, which I didn't enjoy. And then I started to really like fall in love with myself, if that sounds weird, by mm -hmm. being like, okay, like I just enjoy being here. I enjoy my own thoughts. Yes. But before I didn't enjoy I them. love being with myself. Exactly. No, it's great. And I think uh, <laughs> it is great, yeah. And I, think I that's, laugh at myself all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. be okay with it. Yeah. I'm happy with being alone. Yeah. So it's now become like something I'm really grateful to be alone a lot of time, to have the space and time. But something we talked about as well is uh, in terms of confidence, self-worth, knowing that I am enough, but mastery, you said, is also another element. Is it mastering one thing? Is it mastering many things? Is it the more things you master, the more confident you become? Or you can just be, the, you know, an excellent researcher for your whole life and that will still give you confidence in other areas of your life? I don't know if you have to achieve. Um, mastery is, seems like a different concept than, mm -hmm. uh, than, than necessary external achievement. I mean, Abraham Maslow uh, distinguished between self-actualization and achievement. He actually thought that he wasn't self-actualized, but he thought his wife Bertha's mother was self-actualized. And um, his wife, uh, his wife's mother was just a very good person. Um, he actually viewed self-actualization um, as a project of understanding who are good people in the world. He he started his whole project with the Good Human Being Notebook, a GHB hmm. Notebook. He called it. Interesting. Um, I, I got access to it. It was really cool. Really? Yeah, it was cool to see. He has he has the Good Human Being Notebook where he just took notes of people. That's how his whole research started. People don't realize that. It started with him just observing who are the best specimens of humanity that he could find. Um, and he called it, uh, and, and that, that's really what he was, his search was to understand. And that, that's not always tied to achievement. Um, yeah, success and money doesn't mean you're the best human being. And you can master things. Being, yeah. You can master a craft uh, without a, you know, getting the accolades, without mm -hmm. getting the achievement. You just, the question is, are you proud of your life? I mean, isn't yeah, that it? That's you know, it, yeah. like. You know, like you, it, you have to be. You only you can make that decision. Right. Um, you can't. People read so many self-help books. They have gurus. They have this and that, thinking that someone else is going to ask. And you can pay people to 
to take, make that answer for you. You know, you can have, there are people that would be happy mm -hmm. to take your money and tell you, you know, what you should do in your life before you can be proud of your life. But I, I hate to break it to you, but you know, it's like you're the only one. You know, they can decide. You know, and, and if you're just if you're proud of, you know, like um, the relationships you've cultivated and um, and your 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 job, uh, you know, and you're like that's enough for you. That should be that should be enough for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this man. Yeah. What's the thing you think uh, you wish you came more... prepared? <laughs> you like you really came prepared. Oh my god! What I love this stuff, it? though. I love oh this stuff. God. Yeah. Wow. Couple final questions for you. So what's, what's the What's the question you wish more people would ask you about this topic around transcendence and self actualization? Um. I think like uh, I don't know if it's a cop out to say I wish people would ask me less around this topic. Um, they often ask me. Uh, how to's you know mm -hmm. how do you self actual it's like you know the point of the whole point of self actualization is what does it mean um, to be the best you in the whole freaking world like no one else has as much potential to be you than you. Mm -hmm. People who spend their whole lives trying to be someone else like like it's like like for instance they play basketball and they're like I'm gonna be Michael Jordan. Basically, what you're saying is, hey, Scott, how do I self-actualize someone else's self? Mm. What the hell does that mean? Like, what a stupid question. Yeah. Like, how do I self-actualize someone else's self? You know, like, that is, a, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like, that's, that's, a, that's, way, that's the shortest way to waste your life, you know? Um, you know, what, the, the question that is a good question, but that, that people don't ask me, <laughs> that I want people to ask me, you know, is not how to, but... Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, what does it mean to live a self-actualized life? Not how to self-actualize. What does it mean? And it means finding the life that works best for you, um, owning it, um, creating, creating yourself who you want to become like you did. You created it, you know, mm -hmm. um, you create it and you um, and you uh, and you take full ownership over over what you what you are and what That's you've decided, it. you know. That's it. Yeah. Not vulnerable narcissism. I no. love that. Um, no. I want people to get the book. Powerful book, Transcend, Thank The you. New Science of Self-Actualization by Scott Barry Kaufman. Make sure you guys check this out. Really powerful. It's like the uh, researched version of a great self-help book with all the data, Thank science you. that's in there that backs all these Nerdy things. Nerdy self-help. It's really cool. And... Um, I enjoy it very much. For me, it's you've got a lot of great stuff in here that, that helps you just improve the quality of your life, your relationships. So many great exercises and examples in here. Thank you. Really love what you created. Uh, very excited for the growth and the success of this book. Make sure you check out Transcend. Thank you. Uh, two final questions. Yeah. This is called The Three Truths. I don't think I asked you this the last time because I don't think I started asking this question until later. Yeah. But I'd like you to... Uh, answer a hypothetical question, scenario, that you get to live as long as you want to live mm. and you get to accomplish all of your greatest dreams, mm. uh, but at some point, you got to turn the lights off in your life mm. and transcend into the next realm. Yeah. you got to leave your body and go to the next place. And you've accomplished everything. Mm. But for whatever reason, you got to take all of your written or audio or video work with you. So no one has uh, any of your written word or recordings of your content anymore. Mm, wow. It's all gone to the Holy, next place with you. Holy shit. 
but you get to leave behind three lessons that you know to be true. The three lessons you've learned that have helped you and supported you throughout your life that you would then share with the world that this is all we would have to remember you by are these three lessons or what I like to call the three truths. Mm. What would you say would be your three truths? Um, don't play the games people impose on you. Um, you have a choice to love. And are you getting this down? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know what's coming out of my mouth next. Um, and... Um, Uh, trust yourself. Are they good? Are those good? I don't yeah, know. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's just what, it's I, your truth. It's what I felt. Yeah. It's I, your, I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. That's what I felt. It's your yeah. truth. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to acknowledge you for a second, Scott, for your constant pursuit of finding these answers in science and in research. Thank you. You do the work that most people don't have the patience or time to do. You study things you. deeper and deeper then people are willing to study them to find, and then you bridge the gap from hard things to understand, science of things, into making it more accessible, which is what I really appreciate about you, is bringing the nerdy science into practicality, into a place where we can understand it and use it for our benefit. And so I acknowledge you, you for, for making this art, the work, and, and bringing it to life, for your uh, authenticity, and constantly okay. showing up for who you are and Thank the journey you. that you're on, man. I really acknowledge you for this. Thank you. Um, Likewise. I, I want people to get the book. They can follow you on social media. Is there one website that they should go to as well to, to learn more about you? Yeah, you know, scottbarrykaufman.com has like all the goodies. Mm -hmm. everything. I also, I host a podcast called The Psychology Podcast that you've been on. Yes, great. And, um, uh, and uh, people, I, people might be interested in some of those interviews. Yes. Um, but can I just praise you for a second as well? Sure. Like, okay. <laughs> would you mind sure, if I did? I am so proud of uh, just wa like Be Love, watching you uh, with Be Love over the years Thank and what you. you've built up and the um, the way that the manner you have, the way you command presence by uh, by selflessly getting outside of yourself in your interviews. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to behold. So, I appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. I've, I've learned that hiding or trying to pretend that I'm better than I am yeah. or that I have it all put together or that yeah. I'm perfect in some way or polished for me was the old version of me that didn't mm. serve me about eight years ago and I realized that like, oh, I've got a lot of crap I need to let go of. So it's, it's, it's a constant journey of, you know, being love, and I think it takes being vulnerable and talking about what you said, well, here's where I'm at in my life and relationships and stuff. I think the more human beings are being that way, we drop the narcissism, we drop the entitlement, and we're saying, well, we're just figuring it out. And sometimes when you're vulnerable, you never know what happens. I and mean, who knows, maybe my Instagram will light up with women who want to be yeah. the one. <laughs> there you go. Fingers crossed. I love that. No, but I'm not needy. I'm not needy. <laughs> you um, don't need it right now. But I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. You're cool. But I um, really love this interview. It was Thanks, just, I'm so glad we are able to do this. Appreciate it, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Final question. What's your definition of greatness? Oh, uh, boy. That, it's a wonderful question. Jeez, I, I think I need to think about that. Um, greatness for me is is realizing uh, your full powers of um, of of your entire uh, being and bringing your entire being to the table um, so uh, not leaving any part of you on the table but bring your entire being on the table um, so it can have the maximum um, uh, positive impact on the world mm. Scott yeah. thanks my man appreciate you brother thank you appreciate thank you, you too 
My friend, thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. I got so much value being across from Scott and learning these new strategies, this new science to help improve the quality of our life. If you got as much value, make sure to spread the message of greatness and help some friends out. Text a few people, post it over on social media. Make sure to tag me and Scott as well over on social media so we can see who's listening and make sure to connect with you over there as well. And would love to hear the part of this episode you enjoyed the most. Make sure to leave a review over on Apple Podcast and a rating to let us know which part impacted you the most from this episode. And as well, make sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Just go ahead and click that subscribe button right now so you can stay up to date on the world's greatest individuals on how they unlock greatness and teach you their strategies as well. And if you want inspiring messages sent to your phone every single week from me, then text the word podcast to 614-350-3960 to get on our special texting community list. And I want to leave you with this quote from Andy Rooney, who says, everyone wants to live on the top of the mountain, but all the happiness and growth occurs while you're climbing it. Oh man, isn't that true? There's so many times in my life where I've accomplished some of the biggest dreams and goals and was actually unfulfilled when I accomplished them. But the parts of learning, of growing, of feeling, of who I got to meet along the way, of who I became, of overcoming the challenges to get there were some of the most rewarding moments that I look back on. And still today, I'm so grateful of the opportunities for growth every single day. And now I've learned how to really celebrate the accomplishments. Before, I didn't know how to, but now I can really celebrate them, the achievements, the accomplishments, the big moments. But man, it's the daily journey, the daily breath in the process of getting there that is so rich and full of life. And I hope you're enjoying those daily moments as well. And I want to remind you of no one's told you lately that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. I'm so grateful for you, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.